2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is going to continue this, this urgency to Timothy. And he is going to charge Timothy with some things. And then Paul's going to step back and say, and this is how I lived that. And so um, this morning I read this, this, this quote by a missionary. Um, and I'm not going to say his name because I think that would um, avoid the quote. So listen, he said this, preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. As believers, that's our aim. That's who we are to be as believers. Our aim is simple this morning. Be faithful to finish the race knowing eternity waits. Preach the gospel die and be forgotten that's Paul's heart that's his battle cry first Timothy second Timothy chapter 4 starting in verse 5 he tells Timothy this as for you always be sober minded endure suffering do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry Timothy, as for you, always be sober-minded. I want to stop there, and I just want us to say here is what Tim, Paul's telling Timothy. He's like, keep a clear head. Keep a clear mind, Timothy. Timothy, I'm encouraging you in this, is that when you keep a clear mind, what happens is you have the ability then to make good decisions, you have the ability to lead well. And so, so what is he talking about? This, your, your text, my text says sober-minded. Um, it, it's, it's not being influenced by any outside source of the goal, right? And so when he says, hey, be sober-minded, be clear-minded, when we think of the word sober, we automatically go to alcohol, right? And so we're like, okay, I should always refrain from alcohol. So he's saying, he's saying, hey, from any outside source. So there's lots of things that keep us from a clear head, don't they? Right? Does your job sometimes keep you from having a clear head? Yes, no, I don't know if you're there this morning. Yes, it does, right? Stressors keep you from having a clear head, right? Maybe your spouse keeps you from having a clear head. I don't know. No elbows, come on. All right, so, so what keeps you from having a clear head? What distracts you from the goal? What distracts you from the goal? Now, then the question is like, well, what's the goal, Brady? Well, here it is. The goal is heaven. The goal is, is, is being in the presence of Jesus for eternity. Paul says in Philippians, to live is to, to live, to die is Christ, to live is gain. To, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Mess that up, right? But he says, either way, I get Jesus, right? Either way, I get Jesus. The goal is to be in the presence of Jesus. And so the decisions that I make now, right, are going to affect that goal. 
my aim, my goal is to, to, to get to heaven, right? And how do we do that? Well, we put our faith in Jesus. We, we trust in him. We come to a point in our life where we admit to God that we are a sinner. We believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. And we confess him as the Lord of our life. And then we continue to pursue after him and chase him with all that we are. Look, if you don't enjoy church and worshiping here, you're not going to enjoy heaven. That's the, that's the reality. Like, what we do here is, is getting ready and practicing for the joy that heaven's going to be. That we get to praise him with all that we are. Like, that, that's it. And so when Paul tells Timothy, hey, keep a clear mind. Timothy, keep focused. Stay focused on the task at hand. Our life here, our life here, all the decisions we make now are leading to the, to the moment that we get to stand before Jesus. And I want to stand before him with all that I am and him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so what I do now matters, church. He says, Timothy, keep a clear head. And then he says this, endure suffering. Endure suffering. We don't like that, do we? Nope. How many of us love to be uncomfortable? Exactly. All of you told the truth today good right none of us love or enjoy being uncomfortable we just don't like i'm glad there's ac this morning aren't you right it's hot outside i don't like to be uncomfortable nobody likes to be uncomfortable so when we read this as believers and it says endure suffering we go do i have to do i have to Yes, we endure suffering. Because here's the deal. When we walk with Jesus and we keep a clear mind and we do what God's word says, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be people who adamantly disagree with you and they're going to tell you to your face. Are you going to endure suffering like some of our brothers and sisters across the world? Maybe not. But you might. You don't know what this world holds. But Paul's sitting here and he's saying, hey, Timothy, endure the suffering. Like, be faithful. Don't, don't, don't give up when it gets hard. Because guess what? Newsflash for some of you that are younger. and Life has a way of throwing some pretty ugly stuff at you. And it gets hard. And on the days that it's hard, Paul's telling Timothy, endure. Stay steadfast. Be faithful. Hang on to Jesus. Because the goal is presence with him forever. Endure suffering. And then he says this, endure suffering but he also says this do the work of an evangelist do the work of an evangelist they're like well 
I get a pass because I'm not an evangelist. That we read that sometimes, it's okay. A lot of you read it and like, I'm not an evangelist, so I'm good, I'm off the hook. Wrong! Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. What is the work of an evangelist? Telling the good news of Jesus. Declaring the gospel. You're not off the hook. You're not off the hook. I want to take as many people with me as I can to be in the presence of Jesus. Come on. That's our goal. That's our heart. It should be who we are as believers is to tell everyone we know about Jesus because he's changed our life. Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. Everywhere you go, point people to Jesus. Whether that's in your job, whether that's in your home, whether that's your neighbor across the street or next door. Your job as a believer is to point people to Jesus, to take as many with you as you can. Paul was formerly a guy named who? Saul. And what did Saul do? Went around in his pious stance persecuting and killing Christians. That's what he did. That's who he was. He was a Roman citizen, but he was also a Jew. He kind of was like, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. And he did his job fervently. And with all that he is, he ran around killing Christians and persecuting them. And then on a road to Damascus, Saul has an experience with Jesus that changes him forever. Paul's blinded and then he's taken and the blinds come, the scales come off and, and, and then Paul spends the rest of his life pointing people to Jesus. With all that he is, he pointed people to Jesus. I read this quote this week. It says, the apostle... <laughs> The Apostle Paul entered heaven to the cheers of those he martyred. Because that's how the gospel works. That's how the gospel works. He went from killing those who put their faith in Jesus to running the race as fast as he could to point people to Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the good news that you and I as believers have and we are called to give out freely and abundantly. Paul tells Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. And then he goes on, he says this, fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. And so, so what does that mean? He says, hey, Timothy, um, continue in what you're called to do. Continue to do what you're called to do. What is that? Well, Timothy was pastoring a church. He says, fulfill your ministry, Timothy. And so, so you go, well, again, I'm out. I'm not a minister. Wrong. We've all been given a ministry. 
If you're a parent, you've been given a ministry to disciple your kids. If you're not a parent, you've been given a ministry to disciple people at your work, to point them to Jesus. Your friends, your neighbors, wherever you're at, that's where God has put you and that is your ministry. And Paul says, fulfill it. Walk in it. Don't ignore it. Don't go, well, I I can't really share my faith at work. You can. That's an excuse for you not to. You have relationships with people at work that want to and need to hear the gospel. Paul says, fulfill your ministry. And then Paul is going to take a turn and he's going to declare some things about himself. He says this, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. So um, let's stop there. When when he says for my time of my departure has come, this word departure is a Greek word that um, literally is also referred to when when they would take off the, um, the yoke from the ox. So they would take the yoke off from the ox and it was done. His work was finished for the day. And and so Paul uses this word here strategically is that the time of my departure, everything is finished. The task that God has set before me has come. It has come. Paul is referring to his death. Paul is in Rome. He's in a prison in Rome. And there's uh, this ruthless guy named Nero who is overseeing Rome at the time. Um, And uh, Nero was ruthless in the sense that Nero, um, there's all kinds of theories, but Rome burned um, uh, for about five to six days. And and Nero found it as an opportunity to blame all the Christians. And so then persecution became rampant uh, across Rome because it was the Christians' fault that Rome burned. Uh, but Nero would oftentimes uh, use Christians in, in the gladiator games and have them be eaten by animals. Um, he would light them, he would douse them in oil and light them on fire and stick them on stakes to, to light his garden area during parties that he had. This is, this is the guy we're talking about, right? And Nero is, 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 is reigning at this time and, and, and Paul knows that my time is coming. Paul, we, we don't know a ton about Paul's death, but what we do know is um, that Paul most likely died somewhere around the time that Peter also died in Rome. Peter was crucified, but Paul could not be crucified because he was a Roman citizen. So Paul most likely was beheaded. But Paul says here to Timothy, right? This is, this is, this is it, right? My, the time of my departure has come he says for i'm already being poured out as a drink offering paul's referencing the old testament sacrificial system in which when they would um, go to sacrifice an animal wine would be poured out at the altar the base of the altar and so paul what paul is referring to is he's saying hey my life has been a living sacrifice we are called to be a living sacrifice by god's word right we are called to be a living sacrifice and so paul says i have been i'm being poured out my life is for jesus and jesus alone and he declares that and then paul is going to say these things he's going to use some illustrations for us 
Verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I'm being poured out. My life is an offering to the Lord. And I have fought the good fight. I mean, we just start swinging at people, right? Paul says, I fought the good fight. But I've been bold in proclaiming my faith. I have fought the good fight. But then he says, I have finished the race. He's run with all that he is to the end. The goal is what? Presence with Jesus. The goal is eternity with him. And Paul says, I have run. I have poured my life out for Jesus. And the time has come. Run the race. And then he's going to say this, verse 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This, vi- this, this visual that he paints of a crown um, is coming from um, uh, the, the, the Roman games. If, if you won, if you competed in the Roman games, you were given this little wreath of a crown. And it was highly coveted in Paul's day. It was highly coveted. That crown was, was a big deal. If you competed and you won that crown, it, it, it gave you status, it gave you position, it gave you wealth, it gave you these things. And, and it was highly coveted. And so when Paul says here that, that, that there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which is given by the righteous judge, God himself. Paul's saying, I ran the race for the right crown. I ran the race for the right crown. The crown that that only he can give. The crown of righteousness that declares me whole. And and, and I want to say this this morning, and then we're going to end. What crown are you chasing? Because I feel like in our world, in our culture, in our society, we chase a lot of crowns. And I'm really afraid that we're going to get to the end of life and go, man, I chased the wrong crown. I chased the wrong crown. So so what crown are you chasing? And so I'm asking you this. Is it the crown of comfort? I got crafty this morning. Right? Is it the crown of comfort? I just want my life to be easy. Like, I'm tired of all the hardship. And we chase after the crown of comfort. Gosh, man, I just, if I could just be comfortable and happy, everything would be okay. Right? It's a lie of the enemy. It's the wrong crown. He is where the joy is. Only to be found in him. It's the wrong crown. Is it the crown of materialism? If I could just get enough money, if I could just get enough stuff, I would be happy. Is it that crown? Just got all our debt paid off, it'd be awesome. If we get another credit card, it'll it'll be okay. It'll be okay. We'll get what we need, and then, and then it'll be okay. 
to the crown of materialism? Maybe this manifests itself in the fact that you're a husband and you're like, I gotta provide, I gotta provide, I gotta provide. And we chase after that. It's the wrong crown. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's the crown of health. Maybe you're like, man, if I could just be healthy, it would be awesome. Maybe that's it. Like, I get it. Like, maybe if I could just be skinny, things would be better. Like, I wouldn't go to the doctor and they tell me everything I need to do that I'm not doing. Right? But we chase this, don't we? Like, the, the health and fitness, and, and I'm not knocking any of those things. Those are good. But, but so, so many of us chase this crown of health and going, man, if I could just be healthy, everything would be okay. Would it? Would it, though? Like, sometimes our health is what God what God uses to draw us to him. But, but maybe you're chasing the crown of health. Can I tell you this morning? You've got it figured out by now. It's the wrong crown. It's the wrong crown. Maybe, maybe this morning it's, maybe it's the crown of relationships. Like, I just, man, if we could just get it together, right? Like, if we could just figure out our marriage, it would be good. We would be okay. Like, we got everything else figured out, but we just like to argue. And we're frustrated. Maybe you came in this morning irritated with your spouse. None of you laugh. It happens, right? Maybe, maybe if I just had a better relationship with my kids, things would, things would be, be good. Maybe if they just listened to me. My goodness, right? Maybe we chase this crown of relationships. Like, maybe you're here this morning like, man, I just want to meet somebody. Maybe you're chasing that crown. I get it, right? Maybe we're chasing these relationships so much because we think they're going to make us happy. Newsflash. God didn't design marriage or relationship to make you happy. He designed it to make you holy and look more like him. It's not easy. But maybe you're chasing this crown. Guess what? Wrong crown. Wrong crown. Maybe, this is the last one, maybe you're chasing the crown of position. Like if I could just reach this point in my life, I'd be good. Like if I could just reach this point at work, in my job, man, I've made it. Maybe, maybe if I could just gain all the respect of my wife, if I could reach this point, my wife would respect me. Maybe if I, maybe if I just reached this point, my kids would think I'm their hero again, even though they're 16 and I'm not, right? Maybe, but we chase this crown of position of saying if, if I could just, maybe, maybe, maybe your goal is to be a deacon. Some of the deacons laughed. 
maybe your goal is to just to reach something. I don't know what your goal is, but, but how many of us have chased this, this, this crown of position, saying if I could just reach this point, everything would be okay? It's the wrong crown. Because none of those things, church, will ever fulfill you. None of those things will ever make you happy. Paul says, I've run the race. And there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. The crown that's only given by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who says, at the end goal, in the presence of Jesus, because I put my faith and my trust in him and I pursued after him with all that I am and I stand in his presence. And Jesus speaks up for me and says, this one's mine. Let me have the crown. And he places it on our head. He said, this is the crown they chased after with all that they were. They put their faith and their trust in me. And they ran with all their heart. Church, let's chase the right crown. Knowing, knowing that heaven awaits. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word. I thank you that you challenge us week in and week out. Father, that, that we... could come in this place and open up your word God and you speak to us boldly Father would we run the race with all that we are would we be found faithful in that this morning God would you just continue to work and move in our hearts as only you can. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen.